Amen, 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 amen. Okay, we're going to talk about this medicine goes in the ear. Huh? <laughs> this medicine goes in the ear. <laughs> and when you get a prescription, <clears throat> you know, people used to always like to let me read their prescriptions so they could see what the doctor put on that piece. But you can read it, you'll nurse what that say, you know. So if it, and it always tells how the medicines to be taken. So the doctor has to spell out the prescription exactly. Uh-huh. So P.O., anybody know what P.O. is besides pew? Oh, Chuck, look. look. <laughs> it's hospice, you know. <laughs> what's, what's O.D.? Oh, no. Ah, Oculus Dexter, right eye. Uh-huh. OS, one's OD is Oculus Dexter. That's right eye. Oh, I mean, you can't mess up. In other words, when a man gives you a prescription, you don't put it in the wrong place. Hello. You know what R with a circle over nose? <laughs> Pat. Don't tell him, Miss Pat. Okay. <laughs> huh? But if it's something IV, is what? All right. I M is. All right. S Q. Subcutaneous. You got it. All right. So it's very specific how medicine is taken. So if you mess it up, that's on you. The doctor wrote out exactly where you used to put that pill. Huh? Hello. <laughs> so. But anyway, prescriptions are specific. And if man has a specific prescription, God definitely has a specific prescription. He left nothing to our imagination. He left nothing out. He didn't mean for us not to know how to administer the medicine of the word accurately in every situation. Because prescriptions are that specific. When you're getting somebody healed, it's not a hit and a miss. And it's not a maybe, but it is a definite because God tells us exactly where to put the medicine. Huh? And this medicine of the word goes in your ear. Amen. So when the medicine of the word is taken, it goes into the hearing. Mm-hmm. Now, why does it go into the hearing? And that's the only way you can take words. See, that's the only way you can take words is in the hearing. It's the only way you can. If I gave you a pill and told you to take it IV, you'd be a little puzzled, now, wouldn't you? <laughs> okay. So that's why you can only take words in through your hearing. And when God tells you that the medicine of the word will heal you, then he means exactly that. And it must be taken in the hearing. Now people ask you, how long do you have to take the word till you're healed? And then some. If you're sick, you may take medicine to get you well. And then they may tell you, well, just keep taking it. Maintenance dosage. Some stuff is like that. It won't hurt you, like vitamins. 
Sometimes you have to take a vitamin because you have a deficiency, and then after that's corrected, they say, well, just keep taking it, you know, keep taking it so that that deficiency won't recur. And this is what we have to understand to do with a word. So we're going to talk about how this goes in your ear, what happens in the hearing, and why that's so important. In Proverbs 4, 20, it says, My son... Attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life to those that find them and health, and that word also can be translated as medicine to all their flesh. So the word really is a remedy for sickness. The word is a remedy for sickness. The word is a remedy for anything in your life. Mm -hmm. For anything. Proverbs 4.23 goes on to tell us to keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the issues of life. So life or blood issues from the human heart. Just like blood is a force of life and it issues from the human heart. So the word can release life out of your human spirit. Same kind of analogy. That's why the words heart in the Old Testament was kind of used interchangeably with spirit used interchangeably it means the innermost being of a person and so the bible says the spirit of man is a candle of the lord and god will light that and guide your life with it so you can really be led by the holy spirit working in your human spirit and that life will give life to everything that you have anything to do with as long as you embrace the word of God and and operate and act on it and take it by faith, that same life force will be applied to everything that is in your life. So he says here there are maybe about five things that this scripture tells us to do from the beginning. And he says here, attend to my words. So what that means is to give attention to the word of God and focus on it and be undivided in it. Now, sometimes this gets to be a hard thing to do. Like after you've been in so many meetings and you've heard so many sermons and sometimes what sounds begins to sound familiar to you, you will assume that you already know it or you don't need to hear it again. And this is kind of a hard thing. This is one of the things about hearing. Hearing is very selective, whether you know it or not. You can stand and have a conversation with somebody and they'd be barely engaged in it because their attention is really not on what you're saying, but their attention may be someplace else, focused and scattered. Many of you know that sometimes when you have problems, 
you'll say, boy, it's hard for me to what we say, concentrate, huh, on anything other than what's occupying your mind. And so your, your ears and your brain are very closely connected with each other. In fact, all of your organs are connected in some way to your brain. That's why when they say your brain has been deprived of oxygen for so many minutes, they consider you brain dead, and it's just a matter of time before the rest of the organs go. And so outside of a miracle, you won't be normal and functioning anymore. But you know God gives life where he wants to give life. I mean, if people want to hold off for a miracle, you know, I'm all for that. Yeah, because God can still do that. But pretty much what's happening is the impulses that would go to your brain and your brain would tell that organ to work are gone. And that's what's wrong. The organs may be perfectly fine, but the brain that has to tell them what to do is not able to function properly. But the ear and the brain are very much connected. And what your ear hears will oftentimes be met with some kind of not only a hearing response, but also there's an emotional response to what you hear. And this emotional response is what we have to be careful of sometimes. Because sometimes if you say you come into a meeting and you want to hear about your favorite subject, you know, which may be a lot of things for a lot of different people. But suppose the preacher isn't preaching on your favorite subject this time. And you were so hoping that you could hear what you wanted to hear in the sermon. Or suppose they get on a subject and it's something that's kind of a sore spot for you. Maybe a weakness you have or something that you haven't quite mastered yet. So then there's an emotional response that comes from your soul and from the, the level of feeling, your flesh level of feeling. And it may put up a wall of defense or it may resist that word that's being preached. Now we get this all the time. When, we, when I preach on marriage, reconciliation, no divorce, you get all kind of mixed reactions from people. Sometimes you get a good response and sometimes you get a bad response out of the same person. Depends what side of bed they woke up on this morning, huh? Sometimes they miss old George to death and want to come in. Oh, Lord, I just want George back. Amen. That's right. Cheaper to keep him. That's right. Preach on, sister. Preach on, preach on. And then another time you come in, he's a dirty old dog. You just just heard from him. You know, before you was praying to hear from him, and right on, sister, we getting back together. I can feel it. It's almost there. Come on, come on, come on. And then you get a chance to see him. Old oh, dog, he's still the same old dog. He always, old dog, old dog. And I preach the same sermon, and you ready to kill me, huh? He ain't no good. I don't want him back. Bring him back. Huh? So you, your ears will give you an emotional response. That you have to watch out for. Because it's that emotional response that will change depending upon your natural circumstances. That will cause you either to attend to the words that you hear. Give full attention to the word that you hear. Or it will cause you to shut it down and reject it. And all of this happens in the hearing level. This is before it even gets into your brain. Hmm? So when you hear something, your, your hearing also is subject to judgment of your will. 
So what you hear is subject to be judged. Hmm? And judgment is a part of the human will. It decides what's permissible and what's not permissible. And what you like and what you don't like and what you want and what you don't want. If it is the word of God, it's best to discipline yourself to just hear what God has to say. What people will say sometimes, well, before you make a decision, hear me out first. Uh huh. So you have to hear the whole of what's being said and not stop it before it even gets a chance to penetrate your brain. Because there are some emotional responses that are temporary for you. You might just be in a bad mood that day and nothing God says is going to move you one way or the other. You don't want to hear the word. huh? I've been listening to this word long enough and I ain't got rich yet. huh? I ain't got my big house yet. I ain't got the man of my dreams yet. Well, I got a man, but he ain't too dreamy. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> nightmare. No, my nightmare man, but whatever. So we really rob ourselves of the word based on how we feel from time to time. So that's why God warns us, don't let it depart from your eyes. You know why he tells you that? Because there may come a day you don't want to hear the word too swift, you know. I mean, sometimes you just, hey, God, I believe you. I want it. (laughs) Give me something else. And so there is a tendency sometimes to shield your mind from some of the things that God may have to say to you. You ever have God tell you something and you look around and see who he might be talking to? Too good to be true. (laughs) I never knew God could say such glorious things to me and about me. And so there will be times where that emotional reaction that you have of shock and awe at what God is saying will overwhelm you. The prophets of old were like that. You know, you you see where there there appeared to me a man in the form of a, a, you know, and his visage was uh, of, of, you know, golden and shiny and I fell upon my feet and couldn't stand up was weak in the knees all that kind of stuff and that kind of stuff still happens when we get the word of the Lord sometimes and so what what the 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 prophet was doing was having an emotional reaction to the awesomeness of God and the messenger and the message and all that of the moment And you would see God would continue to talk. He would stand them up and continue to talk and make sure that that word went inside of them. You know, they got that word. And so this is what we have to be careful of when we hear the word of God. You don't want to let your ear shut down. So he tells us, be attentive. Pay attention to the word. It's like I'm getting ready to tell this little one here. Pay attention to the word. Huh? It's a good thing to do. You don't want to go to sleep on God's word. Really, you don't. Because you need the word of God. God brings you here so that you can get his word. So that you can live for him. You can live for him. And so he tells us also to incline our ear. So what that means, when you incline, that means you lean into it 
in a greater way. So when you incline your ear to God saying, that means that you purposely choose to shut everything out and zero in on the word. So he says, give it your attention. In other words, when the word of God goes forth, give it your full attention. He says, incline your ear. That means listen, lean in so that you can really hear it. And then after you've heard it, he says, let it not depart from your... Now, how'd your eyeballs get involved in there? Huh? Because hearing and seeing are very much connected. Very much connected. Very much connected. You know, there are some people who are born blind and can almost maneuver as well as sighted people. And they do it by sound. They know how to sound things out, and they also do it by feel. And so what they have done, because they don't have vision, they transferred the attention on to the other senses. So they're hyper aware of sounds. They're hyper aware of how certain footsteps sound, certain times of day, what sounds do they hear outside. It's certain, they're, they're, they have, have overcompensated in a way for one lack by focusing in another. And, and it's not a special gift. They make up their minds to pay greater attention to these things. Why? Because it's necessary for them to survive. So they find a way to survive and to flourish and to prosper based on attending. Paying close attention in their hearing and their other senses has caused them to be able to overcome for the lack of sight. So that... You know, barring, uh, you know, cutting Billy coming over being mean and rearranging the furniture. Huh? (laughs) You know? They're very meticulous about the placement of things. Huh? You want to be mean to some blind person, you go and put the coffee table two inches over. Huh? True. True. (laughs) <laughs> oh, y'all ain't done it before, huh? <laughs> yeah, because they know where every every their every all their steps are measured out. From the kitchen to the coffee table is so many steps, and from there to there is so many steps. Why? Because they have tended, they have given their full attention to their other senses, the sense of feel, being able to count and sense where things are. Mm-hmm. And so you can develop your sense of hearing the word to the degree that you can hear nothing but the word and drown everything out and not even be influenced by other people's stuff. You don't even have to be confused. But you have to develop your spiritual hearing and your natural hearing to when the word of God comes forth, I give it my full attention. That's what you have to do. We used to, I remember years ago, we were at a church, and, you know, it was like everybody wanted to preach. And I remember we used to have, everybody could, you know, try out preaching. And some of you had some long nights there sometimes. Because, man, some of them trials wasn't even, wasn't cutting it. 
And I remember <laughs> we used to go from time to time. And I remember Pastor Shirley told me one time, she said, you know what? God told me to sit there and be respectful. She said, he said, because she preaching my word. Huh? The lady who was preaching was preaching his word. So whoever it comes from, you respect the word of God because it's his word. Huh? It doesn't matter about the person preaching it. Huh? You remember Ollie? <laughs> yep. And we were dying to get out of there. I had one toe over in the aisle and she was right behind me. And God stopped us both. And she said, he told me to pay attention, be respectful, because she preached his word. And I never forgot that. So whenever the word of God comes forth, if it's preached under the anointing and the revelation, you must give it your full attention. Because God can manifest his word any time it's heard, respected, and acted on. He can now, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't recommend a steady diet of people who ain't called to preach and, you know, you, that's all you listen to. Huh? <laughs> but you need to incline, learn to, and it was good discipline to learn to incline your ear to God's word. Because God sometimes does have a word for you through the strangest of vessels. Huh? <laughs> Take it from me. So anyway, so in the hearing... When you hear a word, it has to be processed. So we're just talking some about the process that it goes through when we hear it. When you hear a noise, your brain gets stimulated in some way. Sometimes we said it will evoke an emotional response in you, and then you have to judge whether that emotion is legitimate and you can push it out or you override it and continue to hear what you're hearing. For instance, if you're around carnal people, your judger will tell you that this is not of God. This conversation is not of God. Any carnal conversation you know is not of God. And you have a right to shut it down out of your hearing. Or sometimes God may give you the grace to gracefully change the subject so that you don't incorporate that into your information system. Now why is it so important for us not to hear certain things? And to hear, and is every voice worth hearing? That's what you have to decide. Is every voice worth hearing? You know, if you will allow the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, he will judge the spirit behind the conversation. And the content of the conversation doesn't mean anything. So that you don't have to go sifting through people's garbage trying to find something worth salvaging. You just push the whole thing to the side. Simply because it's the spirit already has judged that that conversation is not of him. And he doesn't want you to incorporate it. Because there is a possibility that you can get confused and have the word of God stolen from your heart. You can. All you need to do is have enough goofy preachers telling you the same thing over and over again. And you'll begin to believe it. You'll begin to believe it. <coughs> Tammy Faye Baker, for as sick as she is, has been a very confused woman off and on throughout her life. And when she got in trouble, she and her husband got in trouble, they got split up and went different ways. He went to jail immediately. And through his time in jail, he was able to, he said, for the first time, read the whole Bible from cover to cover. 
He'd been preaching for a lot of years. He said that most of his Christian life, all he had ever done was take a scripture here and a scripture there and make it be what he wanted it to be. This is true. He uh, he wrote a book after he was released from jail. What was the name of it? I'm, I was wrong. That was it. And he said that in that book he began to tell how he got so confused about what his purpose was in God. And he said, for many years people told me I had a gift for raising money. And that's all I believed I was supposed to do. He said, so whenever he would get discouraged about what he would, was doing or the money wasn't coming in fast enough, he'd just grab another one of those scriptures. And he said, when he got in jail, God began to tell him, now I want you to read that Bible from cover to cover so you can understand exactly what I think about money. And he said he realized God didn't talk about money nearly as much as he thought he did. And what he'd been told he'd done. And so when he got in there, he had no choice but to incline his word, his ear to God's word. And he began to hear and hear and hear and hear and hear. And he got his mind and his life straightened out. And he came out a changed man. He said some of the he said some of the men that were in prison with him revealed to him that he had a homosexual spirit that had come upon him and he said he didn't even realize I never thought of my he said I know I was a small man and I was kind of soft but he said that the guys told him how to fight it now this is men in prison getting you delivered from a gay devil anybody read the book beside me. And he said that, he said, I was so thankful for that because I realized that men like myself were targets when they got in there. And he said he found out the devil had all kind of plans for him in jail if it hadn't for, been for these men. He said, and they liked me because they said I was, I was normal and natural and I wasn't pretentious as a preacher. And that's why they befriended him. And so he said that he found that he just would get into the word. Wherever he found problems in himself, he'd get into the word, and that word would help straighten him out. So he got into the word for once in his life. He got a great respect for the word of God. His wife, on the other hand, got, didn't have to do jail time. She wound up marrying the best friend's husband. And she would go on TV and tell Christians that God found her that man. You understand what I'm saying? Confused still. She began inadvertently to reach out to gays because the body of Christ wouldn't have anything to do with her. And then she'll find other preachers that will blame the body of Christ for her situation. Like we're wrong because we don't embrace her and all of her confusion. and you understand what I'm saying? Hearing is very important how you hear, what you incline your ear to, and how you embrace it. So she got to be known as a friend of gays and because she doesn't judge them. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so when you start hearing things, you better be careful to check with the judger on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit can tell you if that conversation will get you to heaven or if it's going to get you to hell. 
And the things that he tells you to shut down, you shut down. And the things he tells you to embrace, you embrace. You may have to fight your own crazy, stubborn flesh to embrace the right thing. But you hold on to it, embrace it, because you don't want to go shipwreck. huh? Man, right now Jim Baker's healthy. You understand what I'm saying? His wife is not. And so you have to respect that there are certain ways that the word has to be heard, embraced, and inclined. I'll tell you one thing. When you're in sin, you need to repent and get right first before your ears will hear correctly. Hmm? Because your ears are already twisted to hear things and like things that are not of God. And the only thing that's going to straighten your hearing up is purity and repentance. And if you can repent and you get back over into the spirit where God can direct and control what it is that you hear and how you hear it, then you'll make it through okay. But as long as you're, you're, you're not repentant, your hearing's twisted and perverted, you're going to put things together to make it sound like something that it's not. And people who are hearing from God can judge right in, in, in right away whether you're hearing right or not. Because it really shocked me. This lady sat up on Benny Hinn's show and talked about how God found her this wonderful man and she's married to him now. And I'm thinking, God ain't found you nothing because he was married to somebody else. Do you understand what I'm saying? God don't play like that. He don't roll like that. If, you, if you're asking, number one, God ain't going to find you nobody. Huh? You're going to have to discover that for yourself. He'll bring you into a company of many people, but, you know, you, that'll, that's a revelation you have to seek God for. And he will tell you if you're going to be able to get along with that person or not. And that's about as much as he'll tell you. Hello, because you've got to live with him. You need to kind of know some of that for yourself. <laughs> Very few people he's that picky about. Now, an exception, of course, is if you're already anointed. You've got to be very careful who you hook up with. I'll wait for everybody to say amen. Try to work me like this. Huh? Because when you're anointed, you're married to him. The right person can help it, enhance it, or know to stay off you, huh? bugging you about stuff. And the wrong person can kill it totally. Because the devil knows how to step on the anointing. If he can, that's what he's after. <laughs> huh? But it shocked me the number of Christians in the audience that said amen when she said God found her. What you say amen to is what you receive. Huh? The Bible says all the promises of God are by us. Yes and amen. So your yes and amen by you is very important in what sticks in your life and what gets away from your life. 
So can you imagine why there's so many divorce in Christian homes? We got preachers sitting around telling each other they're married to somebody and God found them somebody else. Hmm? I don't care if you wind up widowed down the road. He ain't going to show you your future husband while your yet husband is living. He don't roll like that. Why would he get you in adultery in your mind? Huh? Then the poor husband gets sick. I got somebody better for he to show me my next husband already. Now what kind of nonsense is like that for God to get involved? Would he get involved in something stupid like that? One foot in the grave, the other on a banana peel, and you the banana peel. Miss Chiquita. (laughs) God wouldn't mess your mind up like that. Huh? That caused you all kind of mental conflict and problems. He don't do that to people. Huh? Well, do I take him to emergency room? I mean, he ain't going to go there with you. Come on, y'all. Now, get with me now. Just think about what people say God's doing for them. And tell me if that helps your life any. I mean, God has all foreknowledge about everything, but he ain't telling you everything at one time. Praise God. At least we can be faithful in some things. Huh? So, be careful how you hear. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so, inclining your ear. When you incline your ear, that means you've made a choice to start the process of receiving what you hear. Yeah. Inclining your ear. Many of you had to fight this battle. I don't know if you still do. Some people do. Some people don't. But, you know, girlfriend calls up with a hot piece of gossip. You know, well, I take that back. Saints will say, let's pray about. I got something I want us to pray about. Huh? Yeah. And so people will incline their ear because they made a decision they want to accept that. They made a decision that it's true already. And so part of inclination is acceptance. And once you begin to incline your ear, faith gets involved in it. Whenever you make the choice to hear something, inclining your ear, you kind of lean in to get a closer, huh? There, then you start to mix faith with what you hear. Because inclination is a step of faith. It's going towards something. So faith is taking you toward that which you are hearing. So you're going to believe it to some degree. To some degree. So inclination 
is where faith first first gets gets mixed with what you hear. That's why the word tells us to incline your ear to God's sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. So we said that because your brain is involved in hearing, that impulse also gets transferred to your eyes. It's all, almost a twofold thing. When you hear something, you may think it's your mind that's conjuring up the image. But really, when you hear something, the fact that your eyes begin to make it real to you or confirm it or to, uh, say, give you something else. Say, for instance, if you, if you hear that God will supply all of your needs. The first picture that will come to, to your mind is perhaps a bill that you have that needs to be paid or something like that. So when you hear something, your vision helps make sense of it or completes the picture of what it is that you hear. Oftentimes when, when uh, prophets were called seers in the Old Testament, and oftentimes they would get visions and dreams which are pictures... But when they gave you what they saw, they did it in the form of words. So really, oftentimes, the prophet was really describing what he saw with words. And then the people that heard it would begin to project an image in their mind to complement what he just gave them. So words and pictures can be the same thing. Pretty much be the same thing as far as God's concerned. So he will give you a vision or visual to go along with his words. And that visual is very important. Because when it comes from God, it is something that you can reflect and hold on to that will help you to identify what it is that he has for you. If it's merely just words, it can just be by memory. Huh? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, you can recite that as fast as you want to. And if you never get a picture of what that really means to you, you won't embrace it with much understanding and much life because you don't, really can't really put it into a place where it helps your life. You understand what I'm saying? Pictures help put you into it more than mere words do. In other words, pictures make it come to life more than just mere words. You know that you can just memorize scripture and not have what we call revelation or vision or faith mixed with it. And you can just spit out words, what we call by rote. They're just held in a place in your memory to be spit out, but they're not internalized and embraced by faith. And there's a difference. Sometimes you can see a scripture and your carnal imagination will run away with it and you get the wrong picture of what you think God wants to do for you. Hmm? My husband walked off and left me, and you get somebody else's husband. 
You understand what I'm saying? That's your carnal imagination coming to play into a situation where God's word needs to come in. And he can build that vision up on the inside of you so the vision is right. There are many women get married and leave their husbands because somebody tells them God's got something better for them. And that may be a true prophecy, but the better is Brother John over there that you got four peats and repeats with. Huh? The better is when he's serving God and saved, he will be a better man, treat you better, love you better. He'll feel better about himself. He'll be in a better place with God. Huh? God don't tell you. I don't know why I'm on this. I can't move on. He'll tell you to leave somebody. Got something better for you. You know, spouses aren't like a wardrobe where you've been, what kind of mood am I in? It's Wednesday. I guess I'll. I mean, it's a shame we even have to say that being Christians. It really is. But people get very confused. That's why when God gives you his word, he gives you a picture to go with it. And if what you see in the natural don't meet match the picture, it ain't yours. There is such a thing as wishing on the word of God. Huh? Where people can hear the word and assume that God is talking about something that they have knowledge about in the natural. And begin to wish and wish and wish and wish and wish. Sometimes that's easier for a lot of people than allowing God to put the picture on the inside of them what his word is going to bring to you. You ever get a prophecy and run off with it and start telling everybody about it and start adding to it? I'm going to go all over the world, God told me. I'm going to be the next Benny Hinn and next Smith Wigglesworth and... Hmm? See, there's something wrong in their processing of what they hear. huh? You know, we used to have luncheons where we would give prophecies. I stopped it. All you got was some crazy people. They run from one table to another one trying to, you know, fortune-telling people. See what they like the best. I said, now, you know what? I don't even need to get involved in this. Uh, we will stop this right now. Huh? Because people have a tendency, carnality has a tendency to want what it wants. And when you get involved with God, you have to be careful that you don't get God to okay and cosign and sanction everything that you want. But I tell you what will help you not to get over in there, and that is taking the process that describes here in, in Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. Let it not depart from your eyes. Keep your eyes on the word of God. Because then God will build a picture of what he has for you and it will come to pass without fail. See, many people start out in the word of God and run over into the flesh and see then they want to carry it out that way. So you have to be careful to rein yourself back in. And allow yourself to grab more of the word of God. Constantly meditate on the word. 
That's why he says, don't let it depart from your eyes. The eyes is where you pick up visions of carnal things that you want and you can make it like God said you could have it. And if you keep the word in front of your eyes instead of your neighbor's house, your neighbor's shoes, your neighbor's husband, your neighbor's... Understand this. If your neighbor got it already, it ain't yours, it's theirs. God ain't going to take their stuff and give it to you. What he has for you is for you. You get on your own little rusty knees and, and worship God and find out what it looks like from him. And quit coveting what your neighbor has. Church is always borrowing stuff from the world. We got more vision, more gifts, more everything than the world has. And we go borrow stuff from them. Huh? Get it from heaven. They wish they had an end with God so they could get something original. Huh? They do. And see, Christians are always borrowing from because we're so insecure. Well, if we get it from God, they'll never like it. Hmm? Everything comes from God. And so constantly keeping your eyes focused on the word will keep you out of wishing. Wishing on God's word. And it will keep you focused on developing the faith for it so it can come in. So inclining your ear is what brings faith into play. When faith starts to get stirred up on the inside of you, then the next thing is that word gets deposited into your heart. And that's what you want. That's where it's going to start to bear fruit. That's where it's going to start to work in you. That's where it's going to start to come to pass. Wishing versus faith. Wishing is what is added by the flesh, and it has the power to come to pass if you stay in the flesh with it. So God can give you a prophecy or a dream of something he has for you. And if you don't incline your ear to his word and stay, keep this in the spirit and keep this in the word, and you pull it over into your flesh and start wishing on it, you could wind up with that. You could wind up with that just by the activity, the work of your own hands, the work of your flesh. You just go out and get it. Huh? <laughs> Sometimes we've done stuff like that. You say, I want to, I want to this, I want to that, I want to that. And you don't stay in the Word. <laughs> in fact, it probably wasn't a Word to begin with. Huh? But sometimes it can start out with the Word. God will give you the desires of your heart, but that is your heart full of the Word. And you have to have patience to bring this stuff forth. And sometimes this is where we mess up. The wishing is kind of a thing to, to bypass being patient for the harvest and to, for God to bring it in the right way so you can keep it and it will be a blessing to you and there's no sorrow added to it. Wishing also it all often involves vain and carnal fantasies. God will not give you carnal fantasies, 
But he will do exceeding and abundantly beyond all you can ask or think. Huh? So he kind of lets you work your faith the best way you can. And then when your faith gets to a level where God is pleased with it, he receives your faith and gives you more than you ask for. So very often you don't see everything detail for detail that God has in mind for you. He saves some things as a surprise and that's always his signature on it. That's how you know God did it. And the other thing is there's no sorrow with it. Huh? The older I get, the more I love getting things paid for with cash. Because the note is definitely a little sorrowful. Huh? Where it didn't used to bother me somehow, now it just really bothers me. And I think it's because something inside of me is beginning to understand that this is the way God intends it. Huh? The payment is always sorrowful. Why? Because it takes you so long to make it. If the payment was joyful, you'd make it. Oh, my bill's here. Hallelujah. Let me go pay it. Liars. See, I know them bills ain't cool because I don't like paying them any more than you do. Huh? See, when we begin to latch on to what God really means when he gives us his word, we'll understand that we're probably only like an inch from where we could have got it. With no note? Hmm? Or we could have been satisfied with something huh? and let him do exceeding abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. Huh? You ever looked at the word of God for real and it start to grow on the inside of you, explode on the inside of you and it scares you? Huh? That's your flesh reacting to the reality of what God has for us. See, it's a lot bigger, it sure is, it's a lot bigger and it's a lot more awesome than we could ever imagine. But you can discern a little bit of it in your spirit because you know it's good and it's beyond what you could ever think about. And you know you're going to trust God for it. But oftentimes we will back away and disincline our ear to the word and shut it down because we, you know, you're, it starts growing in you and say, Huh? That's the time to go in closer with the word. That's the time to get that that sensitivity, that emotional reaction that you have to the bigness of God and the awesomeness of God. That's the time to get that under control, see. Get your, your flesh from reacting so strong to that that it shuts your hearing down and you don't want to hear the word anymore. See, there are a lot of things that we've been believing God for, and I believe this is true, that we have stopped meditating on the word and we've stopped feeding that thing with the word and we have stopped letting it grow simply because the fear of the awesomeness of it has caused us to shut it down from our hearing from our faith from our confession from everything huh sometimes you it's almost like believing god to put an elephant in your basement is the way we, you know, that, that word comes across to us. 
But see, the word is meant to grow on the inside of us. See, it's meant to be embraced that way and it's meant to be consumed that way. Because if you reject God's word, then you'll get in the, the, the business of having deferred hope for the rest of your life. You want something, but not. You'll think God wants to give it to you, but you're not sure. You, you see, because you refuse, you stop inclining your ear. That's why he tells you, don't let it depart from your eyes. Keep it in the middle of your heart. Why? Because it can get away from you so easily. Many things God's told everybody in here are bigger than where you are right now. They're bigger than where I am right now. But we refuse to enter in and we refuse to go in. Why? We, well, you know, we can, we can go through a litany of excuses. But I think it's because we shut the door to God's word making it real. And then you kind of drag it along. You know, it's kind of like a, a limping <laughs> cousin or something. You know, a little handicapped friend you drag. Oh, this is my, my vision and my dream. It's been chopped up so many times by your doubt and unbelief. And, oh. Why? Because we don't trust the word. We don't trust what it's doing on the inside of us. We don't trust that it's blowing your mind right now. And to just hold on. Your mind is going to get blown, but you recover. God's just doing a little work on the inside of your spirit. He's doing a little work in there. I think there are a lot of people that have dreams. Remember you were preaching on shattered dreams. And there are a lot of dreams that God, you know what that dream started with you listening to the word. God put it in there. Because you incline your ear to hear his word. And then something happened. It's different for everybody. But something happened to stop that word from going any further, from getting any stronger. Any kind of diversion that the enemy has to keep your mind from from really focusing on the word. Too much to do. Couldn't get in the word today. That went on for three years. Huh? We're putting on tapes, listening to it halfway, and then halfway not listening to it. Background noise while you focus on your own little brain. Y'all know what I'm saying? See, Creflo Dollar don't live like that. Fred Price don't live like that. Joyce Meyer don't. The only difference between me and you and them is this: they don't let it depart from thine eyes. They keep it in the midst of thy heart. They take their medicine by ear instead of letting other stuff come in your ear all the time and distract you from the word and make you think what you have is substandard. It's not up to par and that's why God won't use you and you always get into these messes. It must be something you're doing wrong and all that nonsense. See, we start inclining our ear to carnal excuses. That make the fact that we don't have it yet seem legitimate. We don't have it yet because we quit inclining our ear to it. And we let it depart. So now when it comes before your eyes, it's like, huh? 
Oh, yeah, I remember God told me. Uh, oh, yeah, I got that prophecy a long time ago. Well, what are you doing about it? Are you still inclining your ear to God's word? Are you still letting God, letting that word heal you? Because you've got to be healed before you can go forward in God. So oftentimes what's happening on the inside of us is God is taking a fragmented soul or a fragmented part of our spirit and he's building it up and he's making it strong on the inside of us. Sometimes when we hear the word and it sounds too good to be true, we refuse to embrace it because if we would dare grab that, what would that mean? Hmm? We think too far ahead. Always thinking about consequences. Always thinking about what's it going to mean for me if I do this. What's this going to do in my life? All that kind of second guessing God like he don't know what he's doing. See, it's hard enough to embrace the word when you like it and get it to work for you. Sometimes we don't have a clue what that scripture actually means, but you have to embrace it anyway. And let it do the work it needs to do in you so that you can be healed and whole and you can believe God and you won't short out in the process of getting what he wants you to have. It's not only for you. God has to use you to advance his kingdom. So much of what he is placing in your life is there in reserve for his purpose for what he wants to do in the earth. But we've got to embrace it and make it a part of us irrespective of how we feel about it. I'm telling you these feelings will mess you up, folks. Because you've got to embrace God's word whether you're feeling it or not. Whether you feeling that you're worthy for him to put all of this in your life. Am I, you know, why did you do this for me? Well, why not you? He'd do it for any of his children that responded to him in faith. And we can't continue to short circuit what God wants to do in us because we, we stop it at the ear gate because we don't want to hear any more of that kind of stuff that we've heard already or sometimes you wonder you ever feel you ever feel guilty because it didn't happen yet yeah everybody's been there all yeah and so what we need to do when we feel that way is go grab the scripture again and hug it real tight but what do we usually do takes us about four months of Laying on the bed and feeling sorry for ourselves and wondering what we did wrong and condemnation before we get up and go embrace the word and start letting that word heal our soul so that we feel we can embrace it. Because there was a time you embraced it gladly. Now time has gone on and you don't think you're so worthy now. Hmm? But you should feel even more worthy because you're closer to it now than you were back then. So you've got to take this medicine. You've got to take it all. You've got to take it in your hearing over and over and over again. So that it washes out all the doubts you have. It washes the, the word is the word. It's going to work no matter what you think about it. So you might as well embrace it and let it work for you. No matter what it is that God's told you he's going to do. 
It's never too late for that dream to work in your life. It's never too late for that dream to work. I don't care if you put it on a timetable. It's never too late. But you've got to continue to let that word get inside of you. Once you incline your ear to it and mix it with faith, and it begins to paint a picture for you, then the next step is just to hold on to it and continue to thank God for it. And the more times you do that, the more medicine comes into your heart the more healed you are in that area, and the more you're going to receive what it is you're believing God for. Don't ever feel condemned because of time. Don't let time crucify you. Because God needs time, folks, to do a lot of things that he needs to do. It will work to your good. But you've got to continue to incline your ear to it and continue to embrace it. Don't let it depart from your eyes. Keep the vision before you of what God told you he's going to do. Recently I took out a prophecy. I was thinking about a prophecy I received before I even started ministry. It's from the Song of Solomon. And I was thinking to myself, I said, God, I haven't haven't thought about that in years. And I should probably read it every day. Because it's foundational to my life and I started feeling better about some things that I had gotten discouraged about medicine take the medicine in your ear and it was just such a refreshing and a familiar thing to me I said to myself you know what I should do this every day just just reflect on that meditate on that father I thank you that you gave me that song to wake my spirit up So that I knew that my days of being depressed were over. My old life was over and you would call me into a new life and this is part of that new life. See, When you start going back into some of those old places where you don't need to be, you need to pull something out that will establish you where God wants you to be. And see that medicine that came to me in that word helped me greatly. Huh? Because I was getting discouraged about some things. I was struggling in some areas. And I thought to myself, you know what, God? I'm sick of struggling. And that came to me just like that. And he began to show me how he called me out of something worse than where I am right now. This is just a mental thing. Back then it was real. And he awoke me out of that darkness that I had lived in for so long. And he pulled me up with that and put me on a new foundation. And I thought to myself, this word heals me over and over and over again, just like it did way back then. See, there's got to be something that we can attend our ears to, incline our ears to, and embrace. And as we continue to take the medicine in, it's got to work a healing in us, folks. It's got to. There can't be Something that you're so discouraged and depressed and upset about that you can't get over it in the word of God. I don't care if it's a word you've heard a zillion times. Hear it again for the first time. Huh? Hear it again for the first time. And wake out of this slumber and this slump that we kind of create for ourselves because we don't know what else to do but slumber and slump. This word, folks, if you take it right... 
If you let it get in your hearing and keep forcing it in by your hearing and making yourself lean in closer to it in your hearing, will heal you, spirit, soul, mind, body, everything else that's wrong with you. It'll do a complete and a total job. But you've got to take it right. You've got to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. You've got to hear it until faith comes. You've got to hear it until the vision comes. You've got to hear it until you can rehearse it in your sleep. You've got to hear it until you own it. And then some. You've got to keep grabbing for it when it tries to slip away from you. You can't let it depart from you. And that's how you get healed from the Word. You keep grabbing onto it. And the more you want to not hear it, you hear it even more. Because it's getting ready to help you. If it's getting ready to hurt you, it's getting ready to help you. It's the hearing of faith, folks. It's faith that's going to get you to the next place you need to go. And sometimes you have to force feed it to yourself. Sometimes you've got to hope against hope that that vision will re- revive again even though you don't want it to. Huh? You ever had something coming and you, don't, you made up your mind you didn't want it no more and didn't know you had changed your mind about it? Huh? It's true. But you've got to put yourself in such a place that you trust the word of God. God, your word says that I must incline my ear. I must not let it depart. The problem is when we don't want it anymore, it's, it's departed a long time ago and we're not even aware of it. So you've got to grab it and put it back in there some more. And that's how you get healed from the word. That's how you get whole from the word. That's how your dreams will come back to life in the right way from the word. Sometimes you, you, you know, you ever get mad because you think you're supposed to have something? You think you deserve something? You don't get it? Everybody's been like that. And it's amazing. That can be a life attitude if you ain't careful. If you don't watch yourself, you'll slip over where you mad at God and y'all ain't spoken a while and you don't even didn't know y'all wasn't speaking. Huh? Because we forget that there are things out there that God's promised us. And sometimes if they're slow in coming, we get hurt. And if we would pick up that word that promised it to us and embrace it for real and focus in on it and attend to it, it will heal us. The very word that hurt your feelings because you didn't have it will heal you if you'll take it the right way. Huh? You just didn't take it all. You got a part of the prescription, but you didn't take the whole thing. So God wants us to take the whole thing, folks. Quit grabbing fragments of scriptures and running off with them, trying to make your life out of that little bit. And stay focused with it. Stay inclined. Lean into it until you eat the whole thing and you can embrace it and you know it's yours. Things that we don't have yet. We're a little ticked off about. Huh? Got a little discouraged. A little lackluster in your faith. I know you've been coming to church. Been doing a little soul winning here and there. But you ain't the fireball you could be and you know it. Huh? I ain't the fireball I could be and I know it. And there is something wrong in our hearing 
Because in the hearing you can be healed and hold and get over this junk and not have to be like this. And I know I ain't just talking to myself. Huh? Because there's a lot of things that, that we want from God desperately. And we think we've been trying to hold on to the word and we really let go of it and ain't telling the truth about it. Huh? We think we're standing on the word. We're standing on high heels. Or, excuse me, guys. <laughs> Stilettos. No. <laughs> but I think we need to get healed today, folks. I think we need to, to quit pretending that everything's all right. And we got some stuff out there. We kind of quit believing. We don't work so hard at believing anymore. We're not hungry for it. And fell out with it and scared it's going to hurt us. But it's going to heal you. You embrace it again. I guarantee you it's going to make you well today. Huh? Or are we going to die trying up here? No, no we won't. But it's going to make you well today. So put on some music and we'll, we'll pray. Because there's some, some stuff out there you believe God for and it ain't here yet. And the Lord's saying come and get it. Today is your day to get healed from being hurt about it, from falling out with him about it, from being mad with loved ones over it. Because he has it for you and it's still out there for you. This is even for those of you who don't want it anymore. It's got your name on it, the Lord's saying, and he can't deliver it no place else. I'll accept that as an amen, even though it was a little wimpy.
Thank you. 